So John chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus spoke these words, but people didn't understand what he was saying. Uh, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So this wonderful passage goes on. And we read here about sheep, uh, shepherd, sheepfold, the door, uh, the thieves and the robbers, and, and hirelings, those that were not really committed to what they were doing. But Jesus just wasn't talking about natural sheep, as you understand. He was talking about people, people just like you and me. And Psalm 80 verse 1 says, O give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. So in God's eyes we are as sheep. We are as sheep and sheep need shepherds. Shirley and I grew up in New Zealand and um, so many sheep in New Zealand. Uh, the population of, of the sheep has come right down in recent days and at the present time there's only about uh, 27 million sheep. But there's still one sheep for every uh, six people. It's so funny being with people from other countries, they talk about sheeps. <laughs> uh, but sheep being singular and plural. So we would look at the hills and just so many sheep on a hillside because uh, the land is so productive. And so we grew up on mutton or lamb. Anyone like lamb? Oh, good. Two hands up. Oh, you must be part, well, part English, part whatever, whatever. Um, we grew up, and of course, at Christmas time, it wasn't a, a turkey. What would, would just be lamb, wouldn't it? A lamb roast. We just grew up on lamb, lamb, lamb. And so when I go back to New Zealand, I love to eat lamb. And they have these special shops now, uh, just like you have Kentucky Fried Chicken and so on, but they have shops that just specialise like royal roast, and uh, they'll have uh, pork or beef or, or lamb. And they have the native coomera, the potato, and oh, so good, so good, so good. So if you're ever in New Zealand, even a small helping is really large. So to get a medium helping is more than enough. And of course, if you really, really are hungry, then you can get the large one. But, but lamb, lamb, lamb. Australia has about 75.3 million sheep at the moment. 0.3 million, very important. So one human for every three sheep approximately. Now when I think of sheep, um, there are four things that come to my mind immediately, characteristics of sheep, the domestic sheep. Uh, one is that they are timid. Uh, secondly, they are defenseless. 
And because they are defenceless, they are vulnerable. And because they're vulnerable, they are dependent. Um, it amazes me, you know, have you ever seen sheep before? Ever, ever seen them? You know what sheep are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of sheep in England too, right? Um, but one thing that uh, really hits me every time I go to Eastern Europe, uh, there are no fences. Go to Ukraine, Russia, these countries, no fences. Uh, but you'll see the shepherds with their goats, with their sheep. Uh, you'll see uh, a shepherd, if that's what you call them, a herdsman with the cattle. Go to Romania and you'll see the people with their few milk cows. Um, but we live in a country where we have fences for our livestock. And when we gather them up, we do so with dogs. I'm thinking particularly New Zealand and Australia. Dogs, or these days it's uh, motorbikes or four-wheelers and so on. But in eastern countries, even today, there would be the shepherds and the sheep. And uh, we'll be off to uh, Sacramento in September for a, a week. Our daughter Carrie is getting married at the end of September. And uh, the Feather River comes through going down to Sacramento or the Sacramento River and uh, big big levees on either side. And of course the grasses grow up. And, and, but it's interesting what they've been doing in recent days. They have they pay people to come in with their goats. And so they'll come in just for a few days. Uh, so there's a shepherd looking after the goats. And you know what goats do? They just eat everything. And they do a great job in just keeping those levees uh, free from high-growing uh, grasses. But sheep need shepherds. And even growing up as a boy, visiting my uncle's farm in the south of New Zealand, uh, in lambing time, the shepherds or the farmers are out every day because um, there could be one of the sheep, one of the ewes um, cast. In other words, they, they fall over and they cannot get up. And so they're there to help them get up or help them if they're having problems in the lambing. So shepherds uh, are required to care for sheep. And as human beings, in God's eyes, we are as sheep and we also need a shepherd or shepherds. This passage also talks about a sheepfold and as we would know a sheepfold is an enclosure for sheep where flocks would spend the night. Many were permanent pens surrounded by a stone wall and entered by a gate. The wall was often surmounted with branches of, of thorny shrubs and the sheep yard lay open under the open sky. Being an animal lover I used to really struggled in New Zealand growing up feeling sorry for the cows and the sheep out at night and it was raining and it was cold I'd be lying on my bed worrying about these animals not realizing that God had made them to be out in the open air and in all sorts of conditions. Uh, it was common for several flocks to pass the night in one fold under the care of an under-shepherd who guarded the door. The shepherds came in the morning and were admitted by the under-shepherd. Every shepherd knew the sheep of his own flock and was known by them. And uh, less substantial enclosures were hastily formed of tangled thorn branches for temporary use on pastures remote from home. And caves and other natural shelters were also taken advantage of for protecting the sheep at night, the shepherds camping with their flocks. Uh, when Shirley and I visited Israel just a few years back, we were taken to a place where, uh, in Bethlehem, um, where I don't think many tourists go, but 
through our guide, we went to this place and they opened it up for us. And in Bethlehem, and this, you know that's where Jesus was born, the Lamb of God, uh, there are multitudes of caves in the hillsides because the, the valleys are uh, reasonably steep and coming up and uh, the ridges and so many caves. And we went into a cave which is as larger, is certainly as large as this room, probably more, uh, in different sections where shepherds in former days would bring their flocks in and they wouldn't find shelter in a cave. So that was the sheepfold for them. Ezekiel chapter 34. We're making some comments about the good shepherd, but sadly, not all shepherds were good. Not all shepherds of the sheep today are good. Uh, I'm glad to say we've been in ministry more than 50 years, <coughs> and so, and we pastored, and we have many, many friends who are pastors. And uh, the people we know who are our friends are wonderful people, good shepherds, good-hearted people. So we've been blessed with many, many positive memories of, of men and women who are caring for the sheep. Although we have met and we do know situations we've been involved in where the heart hasn't been so good and people in their role of shepherd are taking advantage of the sheep, which is very, very sad. And when that happens... Um, I say, where is the fear of the Lord? That we have to give an account one day before God, and particularly for shepherds. Um, the more light we have, the more we're entrusted by God, the more accountable we are to God. I could tell you some stories there on the negative side, but I won't. But all our memories are basically positive. People who have shepherded God's people, good people, good men and women that love the Lord with all of their hearts. But Ezekiel chapter 34, just the first few verses, then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, you have been leading, you have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourself with the wool. You slaughter the flat, fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The disease you have not healed, the broken you have not bound up, the scattered you have not brought back, not have brought, um, nor have sought for the lost, but with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Um, I've seen many things over the years and as a Christian and as in ministry, and no doubt you have as well. But I really, really fear for many people who are called shepherds of the sheep, people who reject the Scriptures, people who have a following in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, but don't know Jesus personally, and uh, are not teaching as they should teach from the Word of God. And the thought to me, they have to stand before God one day to give an account, uh, not only as individuals, but as people professing to be men of the cloth, men of God. What a terrible, terrible day that will be for those in such a position. So here, uh, shepherds in Israel feeding themselves, not the flock, uh, not strengthening the sickly, not healing the diseased, not binding up the broken, 
and not bringing back the scattered, not seeking for the lost. In Jeremiah 50 verse 6 says, My people have become lost sheep, their shepherds have led them astray, and they have made them turn aside on the mountains. They have gone along from mountain to hill and have forgotten their resting place. All who came upon them have devoured them. Well, we can look at others and we can point the finger at others, but Isaiah 53 points the finger at all of us. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Interesting watching sheep on the hillsides. They can be walking along and uh, maybe in a line or a line on because there are trails on the, on the sides of the hills and one sheep will jump and then one coming along behind it will jump and, and it's sort of a, uh, a reaction following the one before them. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. All we like sheep have gone astray. First Peter two twenty four twenty five, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed for you were continually straying like sheep but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. I want to bring a couple of readings today from a book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it called The Book of Mysteries. Ever heard of that book? This is day 78 called Shepherdlessness. We were sitting on a hill watching a shepherd tend his flock. The shepherd is their provider, said the teacher, their leader and their protection from predators. But what if the shepherd was struck down? Or what if the sheep departed from the shepherd? What would happen? The flock would be scattered. They would wander the wilderness with no protection. They would be attacked, devoured. What people's history more than any other is the manifestation of that phenomenon, that very picture, a flock that was once together, then scattered throughout the world as sheep without the shepherd, wandering the earth with no one to protect them, attacked by their predators, wounded and ravaged. What people more than any other have dwelt on this planet as a shepherdless flock? The children of Israel, the Jewish people more than any other. And do you know which people of all the peoples are called in Scripture the flock of God? The Jewish people. And yet for 2,000 years they have borne all the signs of a scattered flock separated from the shepherd, uh, its shepherd, so they are the shepherdless. Then who is the missing shepherd of whom their wanderings in shepherdlessness bear witness? The Messiah, the protector of Israel, Yeshua, Jesus. And who is it that said to them, I am the good shepherd? And who is it that happens to be the same one who was struck down in their midst and from whom they have been separated? And how long have they been separated from him? 2,000 years. And how long has it been since they've wandered the earth and borne the signs of shepherdlessness? The same 2,000 years. And so it is written in the, in the Hebrew prophets, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. It is because he is the true shepherd, their protection, their defense, their provider, and their keeper, the Messiah. And so it is for all of us, if we live without him, we end up wandering this life, lost, unprotected, and without hope, and bear the signs of shepherdlessness. But it is foretold that in the end, the people of Israel will return to their shepherd, and he will bind up their brokenness, heal their wounds, and keep them as a shepherd keeps his flock. And so it will be for each of us, for each wandering sheep that returns, it will be gathered in the shepherd's arms. 
and the mission cease from all straying, draw near to your shepherd, be fed from his hands, rest in the protection and the tender love of his arms. People need shepherds, don't they? Sheep need shepherds. We need shepherds. We need to know the good shepherd. We can know about him, but do we know him? I remember when I became a Christian, I was uh, raised in a Presbyterian church, a non-evangelical Presbyterian church, and uh, I, I became a Christian through Youth for Christ, the organization Youth for Christ that Billy Graham had a hand in founding um, as a young evangelist. Well, it was a dynamic experience for me, and I wasn't very wise in those days. I started going back to church, and uh, I challenged the minister. Why haven't you been preaching the gospel? I've just given my life to Jesus, and uh, but it hasn't happened in this church. You haven't been preaching the gospel. And I've just led Mrs. Bremner, who was the mother of one of my friends in high school, I've just led her to know Jesus. She was a faithful member of the church. She didn't know Jesus. You need to be preaching the gospel. Oh, oh he didn't like what I said. He had been... Um, the, the chairman of the landline for the Billy Graham crusade in New Zealand. So he was the big man in our area. And as you know, landlines, people gathered in halls in those days and listened to, to the message of Billy Graham. And then out came his true colours as a shepherd. And he told me what he thought of Billy Graham and all this decision business and you know throwing the decision slips into the waste paper basket where, the, basket where they belong. His true colours were exposed that day. He was a man, uh, man of the ropes, and thank God for many godly men of ropes and women who wear the ropes. Um, but his heart was exposed that day. He was the shepherd of the sheep, but he didn't really care for the sheep. He would read the scriptures, but he didn't challenge people to know God in a personal way. And um, if he's still living, I went to high school with his daughter. He would be well into his 90s now. And I just trust he's met Jesus in a personal way if he did not know him. People need shepherds. People need shepherds. Uh, the I am's of Christ. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And I went through this uh, a few weeks ago in John's Gospel. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. And we know I am is the personal name of God. I am, I am that I am. God revealed himself to Moses in the burning bush as I am. Or Yahweh as we would know him. Or Jehovah. Uh, Jesus, I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That's exactly what Jesus did. John 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And um, even though Clark has died physically, he's very much alive today. He's more alive than we are. <laughs> and uh, it's just a matter of time before we will meet him in a personal way. John 14.6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, John 15.5, I am the true vine, and my Father 
is the vine dressing. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The seven I am is mentioned in the Gospel of John, but then in Revelation 1.17, we read some others, uh, or verse 8, first of all, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. In Revelation 1.17, uh, I am the first and the last. So just some thoughts about the shepherd, the good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Would we be willing to lay down our life physically if required? Have you ever thought about that? I thought about it, first of all, being married and then as a, as a father, um, if there was a time of crisis, time of danger, and um, maybe we're at the river and uh, Shirley or one of the children was in trouble, possibly going to drown, but I knew that if I was to rescue them and could hopefully rescue them, I would give my life to do so. Well, I made a decision early in our married life that if I was ever in that situation, fortunately it's never never come up, but I would be willing to lay down my life in order to save a member of my family. So if the time of crisis came, I wouldn't have to think, oh, I need to pray about this, what should I do? I would just automatically take that step, willing to lay down my own life because of my love for my wife and my children. Maybe you've been in that same situation. But again, fortunately it's never happened. But I've made that decision. So if a time came, a crisis came, I, I wouldn't jump to a whirlpool, you know, uh, that would be foolish. Two people would lose their lives. But if there was any possibility of saving that person but losing my own life, I would be willing to lay down my life. And I trust we are all in a similar situation. Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and he gave his life for us. Uh, he knows the sheep. John ten fourteen. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Uh, if you've been raised on a farm or a dairy farm, you probably know that the dairy farms I've been on, the farmers bring the cows in you know, for the early milking and, and they would know the, the cows by name. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. Is that the same at uh, the farm? Close. Okay, yeah. And so a farmer uh, feels for the animals and uh, so often the farmer will know, well, that's, that's Betsy, that's this, that's that. Knowing them by name. But Jesus knows us by name as well. How wonderful that is. Uh, John 10 verse 3, he speaks. To him the doorkeeper opens and his sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I remember years ago I was just come down from a train from the north of England and um, what was it, Euston Station? It was a big station where like a, you know, trains coming from the north would come. It was a huge, huge... Uh, hmm? No, it wasn't King's Cross, I don't think. But anyway, I got off the, the train and I'm towing my suitcase through hundreds and hundreds of people. So here I am, a stranger to England, although I have roots going back there, 
hundreds and hundreds of people all about around me, and I heard someone call, Graham, Graham. And I knew they were talking to me. So here I am, I stopped in the midst of all of these people, and there was Margaret Reardon, a fellow New Zealander who, who we, we worked with in Australia. Um, she pushed away through the crowd. She was visiting England at that time. And out of all the millions in England, we just happened to meet in that busy, busy uh, station. But I, I, I heard my name. I was called. It was a calling, and I knew it was for me. That's why I stopped and looked around. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus, the shepherd, knows our name? And he calls us also by name. He speaks to us. Uh, he leads us. John ten three and 4. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And God wants us to develop an understanding of his voice. Um, family members, friends, if you're in the mall somewhere and you, you hear a particular voice, oh, you know that voice. I recognize Shirley's voice. I recognize the voice of our children. I recognize the voice of other friends. Um, just through being with them, just through hearing that voice again and again. And God wants us to develop a sensitivity to his voice where we know that he's speaking to us. And of course, we all need to improve our hearing, don't we, in this area. Um, uh, but it's wonderful that we can hear the voice of the shepherd. When we were invited to lead uh, an organisation into the Non-National Mission Society in Hamilton, New Zealand, we were working at the, uh, the Wellington um, base and we were invited north to take over because the evangelist was going back to England. He was English and we had done our training together. And, but I just knew something. And I felt I had to be honest as we talked to these co the committee of um, these men. Yes, we, we prayed about it. We, we felt we would be willing to come. But I need to let you know, I just don't feel we're going to be here that long. There was just a knowing on the inside. And I felt out of the integrity of my heart, I had to let them know if they were inviting us to be there, I wasn't going to be there for a thousand years. And... Over the, the following year, I just felt this, this awareness that we were going to receive a call to Australia. Um, there was no indication of that would happening, but I just felt it in my heart. And I said to Shirley, I believe uh, God's going to call us to Australia. Now, for me, that was like going to China, even though I've been to Australia many times in the Merchant Navy. Um, but it was a long way away, even though my father and grandfather were born in Australia. And if you know the history of, um, of Australia, there was a, a famous criminal um, that was hung and it was my, one of my relatives that signed the papers, his death certificate. So it's kind of a small world. Hmm? Ned Kelly, yeah. So, um, yeah, they sing about him and all that sort of stuff. So, but going to Australia, I just knew it. And then when the call came, the invitation came from the same organisation in Australia, I didn't even have to pray about it. I just knew this was a door that God was opening for us. Um, I've been aware, it wasn't that I heard a voice say, you will be moving to Australia, but there was just an awareness over many, many months that God was calling us on. I knew that, but then the awareness came, it was going to be Australia. 
So when that invitation came, didn't even have to pray. I, I had been prepared. We were prepared because I had shared with Shirley um, what I was feeling. Uh, God speaks and God leads. Uh, God provides, John 10, verses 3 and 9. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So there's provision. There's provision as God calls us to do his will. Uh, he provides for that which he calls us to do. Uh, he protects. John 10, 4. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Uh, he prospers them. John 10.10 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And it's interesting if you look up your concordance, the word destroy means to destroy fully. And Vine's, Vine's expository dictionary of New Testament words says uh, the idea is not extinction but ruin and loss. Not of being but of well-being. So eternal destruction is a loss of well-being in the realm of eternity. And uh, Jesus came to give us life abundantly. And again, look up your concordance. It means in the sense of beyond, a superabundant in quantity or superior in quality. And we have to lay a hold by faith of that which God has provided for us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. 3 John 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Psalm 48, 14, speaking of the Lord. Our God, forever and ever, he will guide us until death and shepherd's guide. And thank God we can face the future, even an unexpected exit out of the room of time because Jesus is our shepherd. And we all have questions. We may have questions at this particular time uh, in regard to, to Clark's death. Um, we don't have all understanding, do we? But God does. And how we can trust our lives to him day by day by day by day. He will guide us until death. Well, we've looked at Psalm 23. This morning, or heard it being read. Let's just look at these verses again. A wonderful psalm. Um, growing up in a non-evangelical church, um, when I became a Christian, when I was born again, I wasn't sure if my father or mother uh, were Christians. They were faithful church people, but we never talked about Jesus in the home. Um, we never read the Bible together. We just went to church on Sunday. But Shirley and I came from Australia where we had been living for some years through New Zealand to say goodbye to our families. And as we drove away from my family home, my mother told me a little later, my father said to her, I will never see my son again. And I'm looking in the rear vision mirror, which is the right side. That's the right side to drive, isn't it? That's the right side. If you didn't know, the left side's the wrong side, the right side is the right side. So I'm looking at the right mirror and uh, I'm waving, my parents are waving back, but my father's saying to my mother, I will never see him again. Well, as far as time was concerned. Two weeks later, after we arrived in Canada, uh, I got a call, my father had died. And uh, he something had happened, he'd gone to hospital and developed pneumonia in hospital and he was gone. So I had to fly all the way back to New Zealand for the funeral service. 
I was sitting in the front row with my, my mother and Psalm 23 was read, which is a beautiful psalm, as you know. It's a psalm we should all have in our hearts and you know, memorise it. And as the psalm was being read, my mother turned to me. She said, that's my favourite psalm. A little indication of what was in her heart. That's my favourite psalm. So I knew she had a Bible. So obviously she would read the Bible on an occasion, maybe every day, I don't know. But when she said, that's my favourite psalm, it gave me hope that my mother um, was a believer, knew Jesus in a personal way. But in the church I was raised in, we, we never talked about that sort of thing. We just went to church on Sunday. And uh, I could go back to that church today and tell you, because the service would be one hour, exactly what was going to happen next. It was all clockwork. And um, people got out of the service right on time and they would light up and you know, have a cigarette. And at last, you know, it was all, was all sort of mechanical. Here's my mother saying, that's my favourite son. And then I discovered in the days that follow that my mother did know Jesus. And um, one of my friends who was a pastor, his mother went to the same church and he indicated to me that our mothers are attending a service in the, uh, in the manse, the church manse where the pastor was and, uh, and uh, they'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and I, I could hardly believe that these sort of things were happening to my mother. I mean... I knew that God could fill anybody with the Holy Spirit, but not my mother. <laughs> I knew her too well. Anyway, she came up on a visit here to Canada, and as we drove down to meet her relative in, or relatives in Victoria, uh, she opened up her heart, and obviously she had now a personal relationship with God, which was so wonderful. How wonderful that we can know the shepherd in a personal way. So I have the assurance that uh, I will meet my mother again in the coming days, and my father. I know that um, he was a believer because shortly after becoming a Christian, Christian friends of the family, Anglican friends, said, oh, we led your father to the Lord and told me the circumstances. He was off to the river to commit suicide and, and he called in because they lived near the river and they realised the crisis he was in, shared the gospel, led him to Jesus. So my father had been born again, but he never told me because in the culture of the day, in their background, you never talk about the things of faith or even politics but certainly the things of faith, that, that was private, 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 private. But I had the expectation of meeting my father and my mother again uh, when it's time for me to enter the presence of God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One translation says, I have no lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And uh, looking up these words in the, uh, the Hebrew um, makes me lie down. It speaks like a sheep crouching and four legs folded underneath them. Um, so in a place of rest, he leads me. The word leads in the Hebrew I found most interesting. Uh, to run with the sparkle. You ever heard that translation? <laughs> to run with a sparkle. And I immediately thought of frolicking lambs in the springtime. They run around with a sparkle, surely indeed. Um, just happy to be alive. 
He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How wonderful we can face the future with certainty. I remember just coming to mind now when we first moved to Canada and uh, I was an assistant pastor in the church in New Westminster. And one of the pioneers, not pioneers, but one of the, the pillars of the church uh, was an elderly lady and she had moved out to Langley and uh, I was asked to go and visit her. So here I was, I was a stranger to her but she had been part of the church for many, many years. And she opened up her heart to the stranger. Couldn't open up her heart to anybody in the church. She was so embarrassed. She said, I love Jesus. I've been following him all these years. But, but in recent days, I, I'm afraid of death. I, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven when I die. And she was in a real turmoil. A woman that had given her life to Jesus, but facing the reality of death getting closer and closer and really afraid because she wasn't sure she was going to heaven. Now, the enemy comes to steal and to rob and to destroy but Jesus came to give us abundant life and if you should be struggling I hope I'm saved, I think I'm saved uh, 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 <coughs> you can know you're saved no doubt about it and it's the enemy who comes to put doubt into our hearts and minds and if you struggle in that area please talk to someone talk to someone else in this body that you love and know don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. This dear woman was ashamed. She was looked upon as a, as a pillar of the church and here she was, really struggling internally. Had never struggled in former years, but now she was struggling, struggling, struggling. I hope I'm a Christian. I hope I'm going to make it. I'm not sure. She was gripped by fear. That's the enemy who wants to rob us. So please, if you struggle in this area, please, please, Talk to someone. Come and see me. Come and see Shirley. Come and see someone else that you, you know here and talk about these things so that we can pray for you and encourage you because the enemy can have different tactics in different stages of our lives. Isn't that true? Things that haven't we haven't struggled with formally but at a certain time of age, for instance, as we get older, the enemy can come and try and put doubt into our hearts and our minds about our standing with God, whether we're really, really forgiven. I've even prayed for pastors, not too many, fortunately, over the years, talking to them in private. I believe I've committed the unpardonable sin. And my first reaction is, if you had, you wouldn't be worried about it. You wouldn't be talking to me. But even a pastor can come under attack and, and, and be afraid that they had committed the unpardonable sin. We have an enemy, a predator, and as I've read previously from the Book of Mysteries, the greatest predator for the Jewish people was the Nazi movement and, and Hitler himself. And as Jonathan Kahn spoke, uh, as a boy, Hitler was known as Wolf. That was his name amongst his friends. And actually the word Adolf means the wolf. So the greatest predator of the Jewish people, his name was called the Wolf. Adolf. And when we all know what Hitler did, or what the enemy did through Hitler, the millions of people and millions of Jews that were destroyed 
through the wickedness of his heart. You prepare a table before me. Oh, did I read the one before? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And uh, looking up that word rod, it speaks, among other meanings, a stick for punishing, uh, fighting, ruling, walking. It speaks also of a scepter. So in those times of darkness, even walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we have someone who has a rod. He's there to protect us. And he has a staff. And that word in the Hebrew speaks of support, sustenance, a walking stick or a staff. So how wonderful we can face the future, the uncertainties of the future, knowing that Jesus is our shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Years ago, I was staying with a pastor in Florida, Naples, Florida, and just five-minute drive down the road uh, were some Everglades, and he took me out fishing. So as we went to, we got in our boat, and uh, we're going out by the docks, and there was this beautiful, beautiful motor sailor. Uh, it must have been 70 feet or more. And unusual name. The name was More Than Enough. And I said to my friend, my pastor friend, oh, they must be Christians to use a name like that. Um, my cup overflows. But then as we were fishing, a boat went by us and had a most interesting name. Shall I mention what the name was, Shirley? She wasn't with me that day. But um, have you ever blamed someone if you've lost something and blame your wife, blame your husband, blame your son, your daughter? Uh, Anyway, uh, I have on occasion, but don't ask Shirley about that. Um, but the name on the boat was Shirley's Fault. <laughs> I had to take a picture of it, Shirley's Fault. Mm. You prepare a table before me. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't it fantastic to face the future, having that certainty? We know where we're going. We know there's going to be a reunion with those that uh, love Jesus in the days ahead. So wonderful, so wonderful. First John 5, verse 11, And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. No doubt about it. Psalm 116.15 Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Well, there was more I was going to say, but I think I should just not do that, but just read that article in the Book of Mysteries. This one is called The Kingdom of the Lamb. So we're taking the emphasis off the shepherd to a sheep, the lamb. The teacher had in his hand a small parchment from which he began to read. 
I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. In the midst of the throne stood a lamb. This is the vision given to given to Yochanan, John, in the book of Revelation. Do you see anything strange about it? he asked. Everything I said, the four living creatures, the elders, the lamb. How about a lamb on a throne? Why is that stranger than the rest? Think about it. A lamb, the most defenseless of creatures, so weak it must be protected not only by its mother but by a shepherd. That's what's so strange about the vision. The lamb is on the throne. The lamb is king. The lamb reigns over all. A lion would make sense, but not a lamb. The most powerless of creatures reigning on the throne with all power and over all. It's a symbol of him, correct? Messiah, the Lamb of God? Yes, said the teacher, and he will reign over God's kingdom. So the kingdom of God will be the kingdom of the Lamb. How radical is that? A Lamb upon a throne. It goes against the way of the animal kingdom and that of man's kingdoms. But the kingdom of God doesn't work according to the laws of this world, but by its own. And to prosper in God, you must learn the secrets of that kingdom. In the world, it is the strong and fierce who rule. But in the kingdom of God, it is the Lamb that rules. So in the kingdom of the Lamb, the weak are strong, and the strong are weak. In this kingdom, if you would have, you must let go. If you would receive, you must give. If you lower yourself, you will be lifted up. If you become little, you will become great. If you lose yourself, you will find yourself. If you surrender, you will prevail. And if you die to yourself, you will find life. As he died and found life, I said, and as he surrendered all and has prevailed over all and overcome the world. And if you walk in the footsteps of the Lamb, you too will prevail and overcome the world. For we are of the most radical of kingdoms, the kingdom of the Lamb. And the mission, live this day in the way of the Lamb. Let go that you might have, die that you might live, and surrender that you might overcome. Jesus, the Good Shepherd. He's also the Lion of the tribe of Judah. But he's also the Lamb. The Lamb of God. How wonderful to know the Shepherd. How wonderful to realise that Jesus came to give himself as the sacrificial lamb so that we could live. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, the lamb. We thank you for Jesus, the lion. He who is Lord of all. He who is the Alpha and the Omega. Oh, Father, we say thank you, thank you, thank you for Jesus. He is our hope. He is our life. He is our hope in times of trouble, in times of loss. He is the one who comforts us. Oh, Father, and we just pray particularly for those who are mourning at this time, grieving at this time because of the loss of someone very dear to them. Lord, keep touching them, keep strengthening them. Strengthen Nancy as she shares at um, Oceanside today and as she shares at the Baptist service tonight to say thank you for those and the part they played in the service on, on Friday. Uh, just bless her, Lord, particularly this day as she stands before uh, your people. But thank you. Thank you, Father. Precious in your sight is the death of one of your godly ones. And we thank you we can face the future with assurance, absent from the body and present with the Lord. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life.
thank you we can be assured that we know you, that we have been forgiven and that you are going before us, that whenever we may hear that call, we will be ready because we've been walking in the light day by day, moment by moment. Oh, Father, we just surrender afresh today to Jesus as the King of our hearts, the Lord of our lives. And Lord, please lead us every day that our lights shine in the midst of the darkness. Take us and use us as individuals. Take us and use us as a church to make an impact in our community. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.